Well, good morning, church. It is, uh, it's been a good morning. I just want to say that. First service, um, there, were, there's, there's a, one, it was a full house. Two, there's a lot of people back in church that had been hospitalized or homesick. Uh, then they were back. Uh, it was good to see Julie Borton back this morning, her and Mark, and her health, the condition is, she's finally to the point where she can get out and out again, and so it was great to see her. Uh, Scott Pontius is, is here, and like you said, uh, after having a stroke and a couple seizures, that's all, right? Um, good to see you here, brother. Um, there are many of you that have gone through a lot, and you've been prayed for, um, and some of you, it's just, <laughs> I'm just trying to live life, and it's hard, uh, and, you, and you're here, so it's I'm just thankful that we can come and worship the way we do and have such a worship team that says, we're going to worship. If you all want to join in, join us. And uh, so I'm very thankful for that. If you would, grab your, your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. As we continue the series on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, the, here's the thing. There are some sermons that, um, not that I have a hard time preaching, but it's one of those where it's like, ooh, that, that one is... I deal with all the time. How do I get over that one? And give you an example, this past summer when I was out west, Brian preached, and the sermon that he was preaching on happened to be, you know, I, I was in the moment listening online, dealing with the same thing he was preaching about. I'm thinking, really? Really, Brian? Thanks, man. And that's the way the Spirit leads. And just to have you know, every time I'm in Toledo and I come through Swan, every time I get to that intersection, I'm thinking, there was that sermon again. Do I let that person come in front of me or not? You know, do I, am I selfless or what? You know, and so anyway, this is one of those moments for me. It was like, as I was preparing, it's like, ooh, but this is something I will catch myself on a daily basis. And it's challenging. So uh, my, my prayers are for you as well this morning, um, that God's word um, directs us in, in the right way. Um, and here's, here's what it comes down to. There used to be a time when we would, we would, we would look at people and, and we judged people by the, by the color of their skin or maybe their, their economic background. We, we would look at them and, and we knew that wasn't good, that we shouldn't judge people that way. We know that. Um, now, for some of us, it's not an issue. Um, but, but as God's people, we know we're supposed to love one another regardless of skin color, Right? But it was not too long ago that this nation segregated people according to their skin color or according to maybe their economic background. It's like, you're going to live there and you're going to live there. And we treated people wrongly. And, uh, and, and even though we've grown as a nation, it seems like now things have even shifted a little bit more different. And I would say maybe even down a worse path. No longer is it just your skin color or your economic background that we judge people on. We now look at other things too. It's how you dress. It's your thoughts on gender issues or vaccines or political issues or maybe the, the author that you read or the movie that you saw or the preference of policies. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, you think that? Oh, you said that? Oh, well, pff, I'm not listening to you. And all of a sudden there's, there's fraction in relationships. All because of our judgmental attitudes and our condemning uh, comments over what we see as, well, I don't know if I can agree with that. And so Jesus amazingly spoke about this 2,000 years ago. And sometimes you look through Scripture and it's like, well, that's, yeah, I don't know if I want to preach that, so let's, let's go to a different thing to preach. But when you're going through a sermon series, like, okay, we're going to go through these three chapters, you get to certain Scriptures, like, we've got to stop and talk about it. And this is one of those moments where we're going to talk about judging and it's like, oh, but I don't want to, but we're going to. 
And it's something that myself, you know, well, I've got to deal with this. Because here we are. We're on the eve of another election. I cannot wait for Tuesday to come and go just so I don't have to hear all those commercials and advertisements and slogans, accusations. And here's the thing. It's always, it's not about how I can help. It's about how bad that person is. And that's all these judgmental things are flying all over the place. And it's like, as Christians, how do we deal with this? Well, first of all, do your duty, vote. Okay? Second of all, you're like, well, I came here not to get political. I'm not going to get political either, but you are a Christian living in this world, and we are called to live in a way that is righteous. So how do we approach these things that come our way? How do you handle all the things, the judgmental attitudes? Because right now, tensions are high, conversations are volatile, and, and it seems like judgment is made swiftly. So how do we live in this really antagonistic world that's, 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 that's filled with unfriendly environment? And, and how do our actions and attitudes make a difference in this world? Jesus just said in Matthew chapter 5, you're the salt. Salt does what? It slows down the decay, right? And it adds flavor. You are the light of the world. What does light do? It brings light to dark situations. We're salt and light. So in this moment right now, how are we going to display that by how we live? Well, Jesus says, I've got another way. Matthew chapter 7, if you remember this, Jesus is on the mountainside of the Sea of Galilee, sitting down with his disciples, and he's like, let me tell you what it means to live by the kingdom. You're my kingdom people. You, you're my followers. You're following. If you follow me, this is how we're going to live. And so he talks about that in Matthew 5, Matthew 6. He starts focusing on all the inner disciplines of a Christian. Giving, fasting, Prayer. How do you handle materialism? How do you handle anxiety and worry? And so it's like these inward disciplines. Now he's like, okay, now let's talk about how we translate to working around other people. So Matthew 7, you, you sort of feel this shift coming in again. How are we going to treat others? So look at Matthew chapter 7, starting verse 1. It says this, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will... Be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you'll be judged. Have you heard that verse before? Judge not, therefore you'll be judged. Maybe it's a different translation you heard, right? Uh, most often, this is, even though a lot of us don't memorize verses, we, so a, lot of, a lot of people throw this one out a lot. A lot of people who are not even Christians use this verse all the time. And it's very dangerous because a lot of times we use it out of context. It's like, that's not even what it meant. Or sometimes we take Scripture and we weaponize it. Like, oh, I'm going to pull this one out and I'm going to use it against that person in this situation. It's like, that's not what Scripture is meant for. There are a lot of people who seem to think that Jesus is commanding this universal acceptance of any lifestyle. Basically saying this, hey, 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 you shouldn't judge them. Jesus said not to judge. So we should just accept whatever they're doing, right? That's often how that verse is taken out of context and used. But that's not what Jesus meant. Well, there's going to be, as Christians, we will look at people and there will be some judging. But is it the right motive? Is it the wrong motive? Jesus says we are going to actually judge one another. In a few verses, he's going to tell us, how do you know somebody by their faith? It's by their fruit. Which means I have to assess you and see, is there fruit in your life? So guess what? It looks like I'm sort of judging you, right? And Jesus is going to talk about that. So he's not prohibiting any kind of moral judgment. He's speaking on how Christians should be towards others and is our judging in the right motive or not. As a Christian, we're called to unconditional, listen very carefully, we are called to unconditional love, but we are not called to unconditional approval. Make sure you hear that. 
We're called to unconditional love, but not unconditional approval. That's nowhere scripture. We really can love people and not approve of some of the stuff they're doing. Love others. Doesn't mean you have to be your best friend with them, but you do show respect to them. You do show them unconditional love. And today we know very well that Christians, we're called all kinds of names. You're a bigot. You're a hater. Why? Well, because I agree with God's biblical standards of what sin is and what sin is not. As a Christian, I know this is a sin. I agree with God. Oh, you're a bigot. Why am I a bigot? Because you hate those people. I don't hate those people. I love people. I just don't like what they're doing because I agree with God's word. So understand, we are called to have unconditional love, but not unconditional approval. But God loves the world, right? He will someday judge the world. We can love a sinner, and we can hate the sin. After all, look around the room. (laughs) We're all sinners. All of us. And yet I often hear from a lot of you, hey, I love you, man. Love you too. See, we, we, we love each other, right? We can, we can love it. We can just not love the sin in the lives of people. David Guzik, he's a, he's a pastor, and he writes about George Horn, who is an 18th century uh, Anglican bishop. And this is a quote that he, he shared from this bishop. And I thought it was rather interesting. I just wanted to share it with you real quick. He said, he said this, We are neither to hate the man on the account of the vices they practice, nor to love the vices for the sake of the man who practices them. Why share that quote? What is, I mean, what is he even getting at here? He's saying that God doesn't give us the privilege to hate people who practice a particular sin. Even if those sins are, are harmful and hateful to our society, where he also says, nor are we to have, nor are we to love the vices for the sake of the men who practice them. See, our, our tendency is that in our culture, it's like, hey man, I really like you, so I guess I have to like your things that you're doing in your life too. That's where we are in a society. Well, that's my family member and I love them, so I guess I gotta love what they're doing. No, you don't. But that's where we are in a society. Scripturally, that's, that's, not, that's not so. We really can have a love for a compassion and compassion for an individual and not like what they do. That's okay. Jesus said the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So it appears that, yes, there's going to be judging at times, but what's the spirit of our judging attitude? Is it to make ourselves feel, feel better? Usually that's what it is. I judge somebody because I want to feel better. So, man, look, at the, look how bad they are. Why am I doing that? Makes me feel better about myself, maybe. Or maybe it's to condemn the other person. I just want to find something wrong with them, so I'm going to judge them for what they're doing, and they're just wrong, right? So while they may not, the Scripture may not be prohibiting uh, examining the lives of others, it certainly prohibits doing it in the wrong motive. I'll give you an example here. Um, the disciples are in with Jesus, and this woman comes in, she brings in this jar, and it's very expensive. I mean, it's like the, the wages of, of maybe a year worth. I mean, it was incredibly expensive. She takes this jar of expensive oil, and she breaks it, and she pours it upon Jesus and anoints him. What's the reaction of the disciples? The disciples are, what is she doing? Translation, she's an idiot. They're judging her, okay? Doesn't she know? Obviously, she doesn't. Doesn't she know that? That could have been sold, and we could have used that for all kinds of ministry. Oh, think of all that we know. 
And Jesus like, do you not understand what she's doing? And Jesus confronted them with, because they had this judgmental attitude, not thinking about why she was doing it. But they're, again, they don't know the motive, but they're judging her. And Jesus said, this woman will be remembered forever. And we're still, today, here we are, 2022, and we're still talking about her, what she did, right? So let me give you a few examples of maybe how we possibly judge in the wrong manner, okay? Because when it gets down to this, Jesus said, hey, be careful how you judge. Because how you judge is the standard by how you'll be judged by God. So let me tell you, have the right motive, not the wrong motive for judging. Here's how we can maybe judge in the wrong manner. First of all, when we think the worst of others. When we think the worst of others. Have you ever, have you ever judged anybody for pulling out of you, out in front of you when you're driving a car? Anybody? You're all good with that, right? I'm, I'm the only one in a room that somebody pulls out in front of me and right away my mind is... I judge them, you know, because a lot of times I'm thinking, well, first of all, they must think I'm a superhero. They must think I'm Wonder Woman driving my invisible jet because they didn't see me. So they just pull right out in front of me because they didn't see me. That's my first thought, and I get a little sarcastic with that, okay? And there's moments I get like, oh. And then mine goes back to Scripture, and I'm just going, I, I, I shouldn't be judged. But you know what? What if they are in an emergency? Maybe they had to pull them from because they had to get somewhere because something important is going on. Maybe they just didn't see me and they pulled out. Hey, Rex, how many times have I pulled out in front of somebody because I wasn't paying attention? I've done it. And they often wave to me with a finger or so. And I was like, my, my bad, I'm so sorry. Um, so I, I put myself in, these, in their shoes, so to say, and sometimes we, we judge people and we think the worst of them. Maybe the situation was wasn't so bad. We also uh, judge people when we only speak of their faults, when we focus on the worst of people. I remember early in ministry, we'd, we'd have a student or two that was, I mean, they were, they were a troublemaker. We would label them, they're a troublemaker, right? That's being judgmental. Because what? We were focusing on the stuff they did all the time that got in trouble. Is that person always getting in trouble? No. But because we put so much focus on them, we become judgmental of that person because, well, that's what they're going to do. That's where they are. The way we do ministry now with a lot of our youth, like at our, our camps, we look for kids. We try to catch them doing the right stuff, and we applaud that. Why? Because I don't want to misjudge them, right? Here's another thing. Sometimes it's when we judge entirely uh, a life on by their, their worst moments. How many times have we seen a spiritual leader, anybody in leadership, make one mistake, and next thing you know, they've been knocked off their pedestal, and we've judged them for eternity? Oh, don't ever trust that person again. Look what they did. We do that. We will often judge people by their worst moment in their life. What if people right now, if each of us stood up and each of us shared our worst moment right around this room, we couldn't look each other in the eye more, could we? We'd be judging. Oh, you did that. Oh. But then you got to stand up and you got to share yours. Oh, I don't want to. Why? Because I'll be judged. Exactly. Oftentimes we judge people on their worst moments, and that's not fair. Sometimes when we judge, uh, we judge the hidden motives of others. If somebody were to say to come up, let's, let's say I've got $100 in my pocket. Somebody knocks me down, takes $100 in my pocket, runs off. And I'm judging them. I'm thinking, that person is a criminal. They should be locked up. But what if that person has somebody who's dying? They needed $100 to buy the medicine to save that person. I, I don't know their motive. Most situations, I would guess the motive is probably wrong. But what if they had a pure motive? But I've misjudged them. See, see how easy it is for us to sometimes to misjudge people 
You've heard the phrase, don't judge me until you've walked in my shoes. Maybe you've heard that before. We have to be careful not to jump so quickly to judging others without knowing maybe the whole situation or maybe saying, hey, hey, Jesus, how am I supposed to respond in this moment? Because this is hard, right? Again, Jesus didn't prohibit the judging of others. He's saying, how are you judging others? What manner is it done? What attitude is, it, is this going on? And he says, well, you're going to get judged by the same standard from God that you've judged others. Let me ask you this. How do you want God to judge you? Do you want God to show you mercy? Do you want God to show you grace? How are we with showing that same kind of grace and mercy to other people? Hard, isn't it? So Jesus is like, you know what? Let me help you out. Let me give you an example because maybe you're not clear on the do not judge. Let me put it to you like this. So he gives us the example, verse 3. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? How can you think of saying to your friend, hey, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. I love how Jesus always used figures of speech and examples and stories. And, and, and sometimes they were humorous and we just didn't get them, right? We're like, I don't get what he's saying. Just picture it like this, because it's actually sort of humorous. A guy with a big plank, a big log, sticking out of his eyeball, walks up to another guy and says, you got a little sawdust in your eye. Let me get that out of you. You got to take care of that. Meanwhile, you got this big log protruding from your eyeball. And it's like, dude, who are you to speak, right? That's what Jesus is saying. We're quick to point out everything in everybody else's life, and yet we've got so much porn out of our life that needs to be dealt with first. He says, you're a hypocrite. Think of an example here in, in Scripture. Jesus, again, is with his disciples. He's outside, and these religious leaders, these religious leaders, they're like, we hate Jesus. Let's, let's put it into his life. Let's murder him. So in their thought, their mind is, we want to murder Jesus. So what do they do? We're going to catch a woman um, in a sexual act with a married man, and we're going to, adultery. We're going to, we're going to catch her, and we're going to bring her before Jesus, and let's see what kind of, what kind of a, a sentence Jesus is going to place on her. Because if he, if he says the wrong thing, we can accuse him of all kinds of things. Put him in jail. We can kill Jesus. So they catch this woman. They drag her. They should have dragged the man too, but they didn't. They drag her before Jesus. Hey, Jesus, this is what happened. What do you think? Should we pick up stones and stone her right now? And they're like all ready to pick up stones. Like, come on, Jesus, give us your answer. Because you say the wrong thing. We are busted and we get to take care of you and stone you instead. Jesus didn't say anything for a moment. And they're still pressing in. Then he's like, let you without sin throw the first stone. They started dropping the rocks, right? Because they knew they were all sinners. They knew they'd all blown it. But here again, they all had these logs in their eyes, but they're pointing out the speck in this woman. And Jesus is like, don't you guys get it? You all got specks in yours too. Matter of fact, they're logs. So we see that example in Scripture. First, get rid of the log in your eye. Then you'll see you well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Jesus didn't say that it was wrong to help your brother or your sister in Christ who's got something in their eye. If we've got a friend or brother or sister in Christ here that is struggling with the sin, listen, we need to help each other, right? So we might confront one another. 
But here's the thing. I'm not going to come to you and confront you without understanding that I too am a sinner. I'm not better than you. I'm not that more holy than you. I know I got stuff in my eyes too. And Jesus is sort of saying, first get it out of your eye. Maybe a little holy confession needs to take place. Then go talk to your brother that's got that speck in their eye. I believe Jesus is in this whole judging moment here is pointing out we have this tendency in our life to look at other people and assume the worst, judge them, and sort of lift ourselves up a little bit higher. And he's like, I don't want you to do that. You know how hard that is? I mean, some of you right now maybe have tuned me out and say, I don't want to deal with that. Not me. I'm not that way. Matter of fact, that person over there is worse. <laughs> Oops, are you judging them right now? <laughs> and I was not pointing at you guys, by the way. But do we do that? I, I tell you, it's tough. We need to hear it. So the question is, how do we get better at judging others without these wrong motives? Or, I, I, you know, I think sometimes it, it just happens. Something happens, and that knee-jerk reaction is to right away judge them, and we catch ourselves. Praise God that we catch ourselves. You know, you know who helped you catch yourself? It's called the Holy Spirit. He brought it to your mind. like, you know what? You shouldn't be doing this. You're right. That's just God helping you out. So don't beat yourself up. You're hearing God's spirit speak to you in that moment. So here's the first thing to help you out because I had to, again, I have to try to apply this to my life, okay? It's, it's very challenging, isn't it? Here's one of the first things this. First, be aware of God's love for you. That's the first thing you need to do. When did God first love you? When you did something kind for him? God, I did this for you. Oh, now I'm going to love you. When did God first love you? Maybe he first started loving you when you got rid of all the sin and rebellious stuff in your life. Then he started to love you. When did God first love you? Romans chapter 5, 6 through 8, look what it says. But when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Do you, you see that? You know when God first started loving you? When you were all messed up. When you were unlovable. When you were just nasty with sin. God loved you. First thing I need to do before I start judging somebody else is understand this. I am loved by God. Before I was even lovable, he loved me. Now think about this. He feels the same way about that person you're judging right now. He loves them just as much. Just as much. And here's the thing. Whether they love God or not, that's up to them. If they choose to reject God, someday they will face eternal judgment. Okay? That's scriptural, right? And we understand this, though. Because of his mercy, because of his grace, giving us what we do not deserve and not giving us what we do deserve, he loves them just as much as he loves me. Now, place that person that you're judging in your shoes. Do you think they want to receive love or judgment? Do you think they want a finger pointing at them or a hand to help them? Which one do you think they want? Which one are you going to give? As a Christian, we know this, God loves us. Because God loves us, we've confessed with our mouth, we believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, His Holy Spirit indwells us. Guess what? The love of God is now equipped in full in your heart. 
You have God's love in you. And because his love is in you, that love is now able to be extended to those who are often unlovable. That's the hard part, isn't it? How, how do we do that? And, and sometimes when you think about how do, I do, how do I do, how do I love them, how do I not love Sometimes maybe we just need to remember loving somebody is just treating them the way you want to be treated. You don't have to be best friends with them, but how do you want to be treated? He actually gets to that in a few verses here from now. But this is, uh, this is a hard thing to do. That's why, church, it is so important to stay connected to God. That's why worship and prayer and fasting and singing and, and, and growing in Bible studies, why are those things so important? Because it helps us stay connected to God. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you realize that? Apart from him, we can do nothing. How am I going to keep from being having such a judgmental attitude all the time? Well, apart from, apart from God, you can't do it. You just can't. I don't know if you've ever uh, seen, gone to a track meet and watched somebody do high jump before. Um, here's the thing about high jump. I never did it. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, we've heard stories about you when you're this, this little and this big. Um, shot put, yeah. I, I mean, I, I could have been the shot put as far as my size was. But high jump, no way. Two inches off the ground. I could maybe get two inches off the ground. But, so I'm amazed when I stand six foot tall and I know high schoolers that if they get a running start, they could jump and go right over top of me. That amazes me, right? Now, have you ever seen somebody pole vault? They're doing the same thing they're running, but this time they have a pole in their hand and they stick it and they go up over a higher bar. So you, maybe you can get seven, eight feet. You can get uh, 18 feet maybe with a pole vault. It's like you're more than doubling your extension for how high you can go. Now, here's the difference. Let me put this on the screen. Here's the difference between, so you have an idea what a pole vault is. Here's the difference between a high jumper and a pole vault. You ready for this? The pole. That's it. The pole vaulter is depending on this pole to take them twice as high as they could without a pole. You following me on this, church? Now listen very carefully. That's the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian. We depend on the Holy Spirit to take us from here to here. In my human power to not judge somebody or to judge somebody unfairly, that is hard. In my human power, I can't do that. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm more able to do what I need to do for God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So why is it so important to be connected to the Spirit? Because that's how we can survive as Christians. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says this, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I know some people are like, hey, where does it talk about alcohol in the Bible, and then I shouldn't get drunk? There you go, boom, okay? But a lot of times we focus on the things we shouldn't do, Right? Like, for instance, you know a good way to stop judging people? Stay off social media, uh, don't watch the news. That will help you slow down on your judging people, right? Okay? But it's not so much about the things we don't do. You know what's more important? The things that we should do. Instead, what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are able then to allow the Spirit to take control. If you're filled with alcohol, you lose all control. You have no control in your life. None whatsoever. 
But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit takes control and says, this is how I can help you talk. This is how I can help you make the right decision. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But that doesn't happen if you are not staying connected. Jerry Rice was one of, probably one of the best NFL wide receivers ever, okay? Some of you can argue with that. I, I'm not here to argue. I'm just, I'm just throwing this out here for an illustration example. He, he had this. Most career receiving yards, most career touchdowns, most career receiving touchdowns, most career receiving receptions, most career season receiving yards, and 10 consecutive Pro Bowl appearances. This guy was a stud, he was an absolute all-star in the NFL. Now, obviously, there's, people are just gifted, right? But Jerry was your average person. You know what took him from here to here? His off-season training. He trained year-round. He said that in his off-season, he had a workout schedule where he went to this two-and-a-half uphill track, two-and-a-half-mile uphill track, where from 7 a.m. to noon, that's all he did, off-season and season. He never was taking that time off because, you know what, if I want to be to this level, I need to be training all the time. As Christians, how are we training spiritually? Just think about that for a moment. For most of us, Monday to Saturday is our time off. We might do a few things here or there, right? But then Sunday comes, okay, let's come in. And it's like expecting this incredible spiritual renewal when Jesus is like saying, hey, you stay connected to me all throughout the week. Sunday's even going to be a better game day. It's going to be so much better. Worship is an everyday thing. And when we gather together as Christians on Sunday, it should be amplified for what has taken place throughout the week. This is where we come and we sing songs to God and we worship him. There's a sense of anticipation that touches everybody because it's like, I've been waiting all week to get together and sing with you. I've been waiting all week to get together and pray with you. I've been waiting. Here's the thing. What if, What if we made Sunday worship like the Ohio State-Michigan game? Just think about that for a moment. We talk about that game, for those of you that are fans of both sides, we talk about that for weeks. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. And then the week of, there's things that you are posting and talking about, and you're getting excited. You've made plans for a party. People are going to come over, and then you just you just gorge yourself on food and and you watch the game and you're jumping up and you're celebrating and you're all excited. What if we did that with church? We get more excited about a pigskin than a cross sometimes. Now, I know that's not fair to say because it's like, oh, come on. It's it's fun. And we do. We have fun, please. Please have fun, okay? I'm not Pastor No Fun, okay? Have fun, celebrate, enjoy life, enjoy sports, enjoy art, enjoy singing, enjoy dance, enjoy all these things, okay? But what I'm saying, when it comes to worship, do we put the same anticipation for it? Do we get excited about coming together? This is our game day right here. Were we excited about coming today? We're like, I have to get up and go to church. If you were miserable coming to church, part of me wants to say, don't come. Because you're dragging the negative attitude into a positive place. But then there's the other side of me says, come and let the Spirit touch you and change that heart. Because this is, this is how we stay connected to God. How am I going to not judge people? I can't do it on my own. I need the Spirit, the Holy Spirit to work in my life. And you know what encourages me is when we do this as a team. Last week, when, you know, we had two ser- uh, services, we had two baptisms, and during the second baptism, when, when Joseph and Alden were standing up here, and I'm telling you, that hit me. 
What they shared, their testimony, I could have thrown out the whole sermon and just watched them share their testimony, why I want to give my life to Jesus, why I want to get baptized. And then Joseph comes over and hugs it out without, and I'm like, oh, man, that, that's it right there. I'm done. I'm done. Why is that? Because they're, like, trying to walk out their faith. That's, here's the thing. There's another scripture. Galatians 5, 16 to 17 says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Another translation, walk in the Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your spiritual nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Our sinful nature, our spiritual nature are always doing this. And so what is, what is Paul right here in the book of Galatians? He says this, you need to walk in the Spirit. Because when you're walking in the Spirit, your sinful nature gets left behind. And a couple things I like about walking is, is just think about this. Walking requires a destination, right? When you walk, you're going somewhere, right? You get up at home, you get up out of the chair, and you're like, you're going. Well, some of you have maybe forgotten. You've gotten to that age where you're like, why did I get up again? Okay, it's, I hate to say it. It's happened a couple times with me, but hopefully we get over that, okay? So, but you get up and you're going somewhere. If you're like, hey, I'm going for a walk down at the park. You know how many laps you're going. You know where you're walking. Walking always has a destination. In the same way, spiritually speaking, when you walk in the Spirit, I'm walking where? I'm walking to be towards God's glory. I'm walking towards a pathway of holiness. I want to go somewhere in my destination with the Spirit. Here's the second thing about walking in the Spirit. It requires dedication, Dedication. Most people don't get up and take a few steps like, oh, I'm done. So people don't go to the park and walk halfway around the track and just stop. They finish. Wherever you're walking, you typically finish and get to where you need to go. But if you're going to walk in the Spirit, it requires dedication. Do not give up. I understand. Life is hard. Life is challenging. Joshua Chamberlain, colonel of the 20th Maine uh, Regiment, during the Battle of Gettysburg in, in 19, uh, I'm sorry, 1863, there's certain times I like going back in history or reading stories, and it's like, oh, that inspires me, that inspires me. What I heard about him inspired me. And, and now you probably already know that even when he was with his human, um, Union troops and his ammunition was depleted, and, uh, oh, and here comes uh, the Confederate troops approaching Gettysburg, they somehow still won that battle, which was still amazing to this day because they didn't have any resources to win, but they still won. But here's the thing. He was wounded, and this was throughout the, the war. He was wounded seven times. Twice he was wounded so fatally, they, they wrote an obituary for him and posted it. But he wasn't dead. He's still going. Six times he had a horse shot out from underneath him. But he got up and he kept going. Now, when I read those two things about him, I thought, that's incredible. Most people get shot. I'm done. <laughs> I'm out, right? My horse gets shot out from me. I'm done. I'm out. And a lot of times in our lives, we're going to take shots from people in this world. I'm going to tell you right now, keep going. Keep walking in the Spirit. Worship team, would you come forward, please? To do these things that God's calling us to do. When you're reading Scripture here about, like, you know, judging others or not judging others and, and the motive, and you're like, get that log out of your eye before you start poking at other people. Sometimes it's hard. Walk in the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And that comes through worship. And we always close um, our worship service with a song. Why? Because that gives you time to continue to worship in song and, and prayer and to keep that going as you leave this place.
You know, if, if you were to look at this, and by the way, if you were to look at the scripture and you're like, hey, that next verse, if you read verse six, it says, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They'll trample the pearls and turn and attack you. And it's like, what does that have to do with anything? Because it really doesn't look like it fits in the next section that's going to be talked about. And so as I've tried to study this and understand this over the years, here's what I've, I've, I've come to believe where this is going at, is there are some things that the, that the pigs and often um, um, dogs were often referred to as those that were Gentiles, people basically who were not Christians or have faith, okay? So basically what I understood is, is that if I were to walk into a pig pen growing up on a pig farm, if I walk in there and threw some pearls down, what's that pig going to do? It's not going to take it with its front hooves and throw it over its neck and stand up and go, hey, guys. It's not, it's not going to do that, okay? That pig will not do that. What that pig's going to do is it's going to read out like, mm, something else to eat in my mouth, you know, and it's just going to eat it, right? That's what the pig will do. And I feel like Jesus is saying, hey, Christians, followers of Christ, this whole judging thing, I'm talking to you, not talking to the world. If I take this truth and throw it out to the world, they're not going to do what they need to do with it. But you are my followers. You know what to do with this. I've learned um, a very important principle. Don't expect an ungodly world to act godly. You're going to try hard to live for Christ, and you're going to do things like trying maybe not to judge others, whatever. It's like, well, they need to treat me the same way. Guess what? If they're not godly, they're not going to. Why should they? It's just like throwing pearls to the swine. They don't know, they don't know what to do with it. What I shared with you this morning, I'm throwing truth to believers. And I hope and pray that God will just speak to you in whatever way he needs to speak to you, whether it's something I had to say or maybe it's something that just sort of connected somewhere else. I don't know. Whether it's walking in the spirit, being filled with the spirit, whether it's being judgmental, I pray that those words sink into your heart and God just does what he needs to do with them. I'll leave that with him and you. Would you stand, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are, and I thank you, Lord, for truth. I thank you for your words. I thank you, Lord, that in life, sometimes we just need you to step up to us and say, hey, the way you're living right now, we got to talk. And God, maybe that was this moment, this morning, when, when we just need to be reminded of this is how, as Christians, we are to live. And it's not easy. So God, I thank you so much for your Holy Spirit to help us, to guide us because we cannot do this on our own. Not with our own human power. No way. Lord, I thank you that you give us something supernatural, your Holy Spirit, so that we can find victory in how we live. And God, when we fall and when we fail, and that will happen, thank you for forgiving us and correcting us and helping us get right back on track. God, as we worship you now in song, Lord, help us remember that when doing what you call us to do, sometimes it can be scary, but we have you. And with your spirit, we can be victorious. We love you, Lord. In thy name we pray, amen.